the book of 1 John. So uh, today we're into the fourth session of that, and we're looking in 1 John chapter 3, and uh, we begin at verse 19. So folks, those of you who may be joining us today by YouTube, we're looking in the book of 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading at verse 19. So those of you who are listening uh, through the web, get your Bible, and you can follow along with us relatively easy, okay? Uh, we are glad to be able to be here. Pray one for another. Uh, many needs around us, okay? Uh, it's impossible to keep up with uh, those folks and their ever-changing uh, particular health and various other things that people are going through, but we know it's necessary and please a, a good opportunity to be encouragers in times like this, okay? So let's begin with prayer today. Father, I thank you. Lord, I know that you're faithful. Lord, there's been times in my life that I might have questioned you over many things. And Lord, I'm going to confess I probably will futuristically as well. But, Lord, it's not that we question your faithfulness. Lord, we just sometimes just don't understand the processes of what we go through. Lord, please bless the families that we have mentioned this morning. Be with Terry Meeks, her boy and girl. God, I pray that you would raise Terry up from uh, that bed uh, of COVID. Uh, Lord, uh, on the ventilator, please, Lord, spare her life. God, I pray for... Uh, Tina Stokes and her precious two girls as uh, their husband and father passed on Friday. Lord, how that impacts not just a mother and two precious girls, but impacts uh, people around town as well because of the position uh, that he had in his work. Bless God. Use these times to honor you and help us know how and where to do that. Bless our time. God, we seek to see your face through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, as you know, if you followed this particular writer, always does a good job giving an introduction, and the introduction for today talks about when he was a little boy. Isn't it amazing we all like to go back to our childhood uh, illustrations sometime, isn't it? Well, uh, undoubtedly, the connections that he had either on the farm or around the farm, and he took a little time there and a few words to describe to us about what we have maybe all witnessed or watched when you had the older bull, and then you had the younger bull, and the younger bull decided it was his time uh, to be the lead bull, and they just rammed heads a few times. And uh, this particular writer said, one, uh, said sometime the older bull prevailed and they were sometime the younger bull prevailed. Well, the reality of all of that is, he said, I see a similar picture there in uh, that of righteousness and people fighting against wickedness. He said if we look at the information from the news media or possibly from the newspapers that we might read he said, when you read the Bible, what we discover is uh, that the opposite is true. Darkness might seem to be winning, but it does not prevail. Why? 
because the enemy, Satan, the adversary, has already been defeated. And as a result of that, we know the end of the story, do we not? And uh, the church is uh, on uh, the winning team. So with that in mind, uh, that's where we go today. I put in my notes, and you've probably heard it from some source. I don't know where it originated. We're not fighting for victory. We're really fighting from victory, okay? It's almost like watching, uh, watching some old TV program, whether it's a sports program or, or whether it might be uh, gun smoke for the umpteenth time. You know, we can get emotionally involved, but we sometimes even know the end of the story and yet get caught up in the, uh, get caught up in the production as well. Noticing, we start on 1 John 5, and, I mean 1 John 3 and 19. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and will reassure our hearts before Him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts, con if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and, per, and receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commands and do what is pleasing in His sight. Now, let's remember some of the things that we've learned uh, from 1 John already. There's the struggles between light and darkness. You remember He showed us uh, early on, a couple of weeks ago, there's the struggle between good and evil. Uh, there's the dealing with temptation, if you remember, when he talks about uh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life uh, there. So now he's giving us the great truth there of how we can have confidence through his word. He said, if our hearts condemn us, uh, he said, for God is greater than our hearts. I remember an expression, uh, I was uh, in a place of worship or teaching, I can't remember what it was, but I had a friend of mine said, you can always let your conscience be your guide. And I wanted to stand up and wave the white flag. I don't believe we can always let the conscience be the guide. Why do I say that? Because the scripture tells us sometimes we have a weak conscience. And that could be caused from sin or immaturity or what. However, John is not writing just about a normal heart. He is writing about a, a heart that is strong in the Lord. And because of that, he says that, that uh, whenever our hearts condemn us, uh, God is greater than our hearts. But he said if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Notice the word confidence, and we'll spend a little bit of time to that in a moment. Confidence is not arrogance, is it? Confidence doesn't mean we shake our finger in God's face and say, Hey, I told you so. Listen, God is not going to be subjected to us and our arrogance, but He does desire of us to have confidence. John now, as we have uh, mentioned a little earlier, Talking about loving one another, uh, that is a proof that we belong to Him, is it not? That we love one another. I was writing an article this morning, didn't quite finish it. I'll sit back down this evening, 
or in the morning and finish that. Uh, by this shall all men know you are my disciples, he said, if you have love one for another. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we like their ways. It doesn't necessarily mean that we like their disposition, but we must love one another, right? Doesn't matter of what, uh, uh, what persuasion they are, we should uh, there be lovers of one another. He said there are times in our lives when we don't love as we should. And when this happens, a sense of failure can set our minds or set into our minds, causing us to feel condemned before God, which in turn can fill us with doubt. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you have ever doubted because we would all probably raise both hands. We've doubted before, have we not? Yes, I have. Uh, I've never, uh, I, I can't say that I've never doubted God's ways or God's works, uh, but uh, I've never doubted his word. Why? Because we were just commonly taught that, hey, uh, the word of the Lord there is pure. The bottom of the page here on page 39, John's readers were struggling with this doubt. He reminded them that God looks beyond our failures to the intents of the heart. The lens of doubt, uh, he said, we can wrongly see things through the lens of doubt, self-condemnation, or wrong thinking. God sees us through Christ's righteousness. Uh, that is why... Uh, as we think uh, uh, about sin or we think about self, uh, uh, I'm so glad that uh, we have an advocate with the Father who is seated at the right hand of the Father ever making intercession for us. And folks, that might not be just in our prayers where he's making intercession. It might also be in our faults that he is likewise. Imagine with us there that uh, what he has had to defend us through. Not defend us for, but defend us through. And sometime that would have been doubt, etc. He says it's good news to know that when we trust the finished work of Christ, there is now no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 The book of Romans, probably one of the most valuable books to believers that we have in the New Testament. Probably one of the books we have to use the strongest there of, uh, what, what, am, what word am I trying to use? Discernment there. We have to have the teacher, Holy Spirit, to give us that. And the reason here is in Romans 8, 1, it says, There's now therefore no condemnation to those who walk, or to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And folks, there's a strong statement there who have their walk there that is proper in the Lord. Uh, so with that in mind, he said, because Christ, because of Christ, we can walk uh, in victory over doubt. When we abide faithfully in Christ, assurance blooms within us, which allows us to pray in faith concerning God's will. He said, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now, look at the text again. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. 
and will assure or will reassure our hearts before him wherever or whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now rem remember, our confidence comes in Jesus and his finished work, okay? And that confidence is not because of who we are and what we do, it's because of all that Jesus did. You know what confidence is, do you? You're confident that you can do certain things. You know, and if we're not careful, we could become overconfident. And as a result of that, even in believers' lives, you know, we could become self-righteous, which would lead to overconfidence, which in turn would bring condemnation. But now he says, the heart doesn't condemn us, but gives us confidence before God. And we know whatever we ask of him, he keeps his commands and does what is, and do what is pleasing in his sight. It's hard to get away from the subject of prayer in any given text, is it not? Why do I say that? Because here he says we can ask of him what uh, what, what is the means we're normally asking things of God? We consider it prayer, do we not? We consider praying that. Now, you might say, well, I didn't use all of those five points in prayer. Sometimes it's a casual riding down the road. No, oh, Lord, help me. You know, oh, Lord, whatever might be on our tongue or our thoughts there. He said, of course, the promise is conditional. We keep his commands. He takes pleasure in answering prayers that are there from an obedient heart. Always when you're reading promises in the Bible, ask yourself a question. Is this conditional or is this unconditional? Now, you understand what I mean by that. Now, Johnny, go out and play. And if, uh, if you're nice, you can come in and Mama has three cookies for you. That's conditional, isn't it? Unless you got a weak heart and Johnny sort of whimpers and you give him three cookies. No, when God makes a promise, if he gives a condition that that is established and that he'll do certain things, that's conditional. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face. That's conditional, isn't it? Unto the... Or to the point that we have to meet criteria in order for the blessing to be ours. Therefore, we see that, uh, I think that's what this text is giving us here. And uh, he talks about his son that had worked really hard to buy his first automobile. And uh, he came to him and he said, Dad, I've worked really, really hard, but I'm X number of dollars short. And the dad said... Uh, because his son had been diligent to work very hard to provide that automobile. He said it pleased him to help him. He was not trying to perform there for him. He simply wanted to please him. So the dad gives the illustration of because of the son's faithfulness, he helped him. Now, I thought that was good. I thought it was appropriate, even though that might not have been established from the beginning. Aren't we glad that God has some promises that we don't know always from the beginning either? But he's faithful. 
Now, he says in uh, chapter 3, verse 23, now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit he has given us. Now, look what the writer says. At first glance, the two actions were called to sound like two commands from Christ, believe and love. However, John referred to these as his command, singular, simply meaning that these two things were uh, were in and of the same there. He says, uh, if we believe the right doctrine, then we will manifest the right ethic. We confirm the authenticity of our faith by obeying the singular command to believe Christ and love others. Loving Jesus and others, that really is the summation of the commandments, you remember, from what... Uh, Jesus would give us in the parables. Uh, you remember the ruler came to him and said, tell us, what's the greatest of the commandments? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbors yourself. Uh, some fellow called me this week, and actually we, he, he alluded to that, and I was reminded that if you want to think about the commandments, it's like a cross, isn't it? There's a vertical connection we have and those first four commandments deal with that love the lord then those horizontal uh deal with man's dealing with man so love god with all your heart mind and soul love your neighbors yourself and we see uh there's one person fulfilled that in himself that's jesus and because of his faithfulness we likewise uh, can uh, or not can but we likewise are victors uh, through his power and grace he said if we believe the right doctrine then we'll manifest the right ethic we confirm the authenticity of our faith by obeying the singular command john drew from jesus allegory of the vine and the branches now that it's a good time of the year to think of that isn't it because the fruit of the vine is almost gone, I'm sure. Uh, I've had this vine that I've begged to, begged to produce, uh, trimmed it back a little bit, didn't produce. You know what's going to happen to that vine this winter, don't you? I'm going to get rid of that vine. Why? You know, Jesus said that even as the vine has to, st or the branch has to stay attached to the vine. Remember, there was a time when uh, the the vineyard. Uh, Owner said, hey, Lord, let's dung it one more time. Let's see if we can get it to produce. Well, in, in the light of being children of God, sometimes the Lord stirs us up a little bit. He'll prune us a little, will he not? Why? That we might bear fruit. He said, this is the command, that we believe in the name of, the son, of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. Remember last week we got into that uh, reality of who Jesus is. And then we talked a little bit about what Jesus or what people say about who Jesus is. And uh, he alludes to this again. The one who keeps his commands uh, 
remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. Now, there, he spends some time on that phrase, praise the Lord, the spirit he has given us. When did we become recipients of the spirit of God? When did he give us that gift? When we got saved. Amen. Amen. That was, that was part of uh, his blessing on us because of our faith and exercise of that in Jesus. And he has given of us his spirit who resides within us. Now, because his spirit is within us, then we could study for Weeks on weeks there about the Spirit's ministry in us as well as through us. But there is where we see that because of this, He remains in us from the Spirit He has given us. On page 41, and I don't know if you ever do some of the, uh, some of the questions and answer areas, uh, but those, those were good, and I, I worked along with those. Uh, this week so think about it if you haven't already what are some characteristics of false spirits at work in the world today and then he uh, gave another thought after considering how to discern what is false uh, what are some ways to have victory over things in our lives and how can we have victory in Jesus well that's a good song to sing oh victory in Jesus isn't it but how can we live it and he's asking us. You know, I put a couple of things there. I said prayer, discernment, because this next passage is going to uh, help us there about being discerning in our spirits. On top of page 42 there, John wasn't talking about some actions we do to earn salvation, but rather actions that deepen our relationship. This is the essence of remaining in Christ. When we come to Christ in faith, He comes to dwell in our hearts through His Holy Spirit. Something we just affirmed, did we not? Paul wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. I love that verse. Uh, why? Because he's talking about working in us, but also working out of us. Aren't you glad we're saved by grace through faith, not of works? Boy, I know a lot of people that would line up to talk about the works that they've done, wouldn't they? But that's not what he wants us lining up to talk about. He wants us talking about what Jesus did. Oh, it's good to tell people what he's done in our lives we find also that we're to allow our own salvation to be worked out there with fear and trembling. The proof of the Spirit's presence breeds security in the heart of the believer, and that uh, breeds faithfulness or fruitfulness as well. Talks about how he many times visits with doubting Christians. A lady in particular, he said, struggle there with the reality of her eternal security become frozen in fear that her spiritual productivity suffers. He said, you may find yourself in a similar predicament, feeding or feeling confused or condemned. God's promise of forgiveness overrules the heart's condemnation. 
always check it out, okay? When you feel condemned and you get to struggling whether you belong to him or not, he says it takes a lot there uh, of discernment, he said, and that comes from the word. But he reminds us that God's promise of forgiveness overrules uh, the heart's condemnation. Don't base your security on how you feel, but on what you know. I think we can say this with all uh, with, with confidence this morning. It is very confusing to me when someone walks to my office or they may give me a call and want to come talk to me and they want to talk about their marital life and they want to talk about how they love their spouse but they don't but they're not in love with them anymore and i'm thinking about how can that happen you tell me you love them but you're not in love with them how do you describe the difference it's the difference to me in feeling how many people base their faith and relationship in the lord on their feelings instead of the facts well, I just don't, it don't feel right anymore, preacher. I, I think I'm going to move my membership because I, I just don't feel like I belong there anymore. I'm thinking, feelings are fickle, church. Don't forget that. There comes a time that we can go somewhere else. We might need to be somewhere else. Don't base it on feelings. Base it on facts. If you're in love with Christ, you love everybody. Absolutely. If you're in love with Jesus... Uh, it definitely is easy to love everybody else, is it not? Amen. Okay. Uh, I, I could go on and on talking about the confusion that young believers have, though, in their salvation experience with the Lord Jesus. But it takes discernment. It takes discipleship. Uh, it takes maturity. And some folks would tell us because we believe in eternal security, that we have arrogance. I say no. Because we believe in the security that Christ provided, we have faith. Because it's in a finished work there. He says in this last passage, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. The King James would say, but try the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now, it is already in the world. You are from God, little children. You have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Isn't it amazing how we have taken, or some have taken, and put verses to song? You remember maybe the chorus of this song I'm referring to? Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we sing that. I don't say we sing that real regularly, but I love that. Why? We're singing scripture. 
the promise of God. Our relationship with Jesus is the source of our victory over the world. Every Christian has been given power to overcome the world. Remember, the scripture tells us that we are in the world, but we are not to love the world. Matter of fact, we have a dual citizenship. We have a citizenship on the earth there as United States citizens, but we also have a heavenly citizenship that really has far greater impact on our lives. We're grateful to be Americans. I'm grateful to be one, but friend, let me tell you something. Jesus' kingdom has far more for us that is to come. Now, how does he tell us to deal with this? Many false prophets have already come in the world. How are we to deal with what is said versus what the Lord says? We got to be what? Discerning. Do you believe everything everybody tells you? Boy, if you do, you're probably on about a sack of nerve pills every day. No, you can't believe everything everybody tells you. But what causes you to disbelieve something or to have doubt of something may make you go try to discover what's the truth about that matter. And to me, that's what the discernment is. And he said, those who confess that Jesus is Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But those who say that every spirit or those uh, spirits that does not confess Jesus is from God, we know that that's a spirit of error. You may be aware, uh, I don't know how old it is, probably 40, 50 years old or more. Uh, a pamphlet, if you unfold it, it's about that wide. Uh, used to be, and I'm sure it's still available. And it had what the Christians believe and the Muslim believes and the Jew believes and the charismatic believes. And, and then the, so what I'm saying, that, that pamphlet is titled Truth and Error. And it was comparing what people or groups of people believe that we could have a spirit there of discerning. Please don't believe everything everybody says. Like I told you last week, if they tell you they believe in Jesus, what we need to know is what they do believe about Jesus. Because just uh, the simple fact that they believe Jesus don't mean that they believe that he is the Son of God and that he is God. Be discerning. Now, our discernment is strongly enhanced, is it not, when we know the Word of God? Because that helps us to have a foundation there that gives us grace to know truth and error. With that discernment, he said, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, remember, last week we looked at the word Antichrist. We looked at the word plural, Antichrist. And he is telling us now uh, that that spirit is already here in the days that he's writing. In the first century that Jesus lived and, was, and ascended, he said, that spirit's already in the world. Can you imagine? We're 3,000 years later now, and that spirit is even magnified in the world. The Antichrist mentality. Remember, anything that's not of is anti. So, Jesus for Christ, which we are as Christians, 
those who are opposed to him we consider antichrist okay uh, it says we've heard he's uh, we've heard there that the spirit of the antichrist is coming and it's already in the world but he said you're from god little children you have conquered them now some would even say we didn't know we've been in a battle he said you have conquered him why because the one who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. See, we're fighting from victory, not for victory. Because Jesus has already won the battle over death, over hell, and the grave. And the reality of that is we are those victors. And uh, the coming of the Lord will give that uh, great assurance and there'll be the handing out of the crowns and the awards are for our faithfulness. Bless you. Any, any thought there? Folks, if you're listening to us on YouTube this morning, you can jot this passage down. Next Sunday, we'll be studying from 1 John chapter 4. First uh, John chapter 4, verses 7 through verse 21, so I'll just go ahead and tell you the whole chapter, okay, of chapter 4 in 1 John. And we will be studying from the subject matter of being sure of God's love. Sure of God's love. Thank you. Uh, bless you. Uh, we'll move around a little bit and be back in for worship here in about 20 minutes, okay?